Welcome to Southern New Hampshire University's Social Sciences podcast, Agents of Change. Here we invite students and professionals to chat with us on topics of inclusion and diversity, student success, and their learning experiences. In this podcast, we will hear insights and personal accounts of people who have persisted against the odds and impacted positive social change. Join us as we learn how we can all be positive agents of change. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Agents of Change, our podcast series that we are running through the Department of Social Sciences here at Southern New Hampshire University Global. I am Dr. Jeff Zarnick, your host for the day. I'm an associate dean with the Criminal Justice Department and the Social Sciences team, and we are lucky and blessed and fortunate to have a rock star of an agent of change today with Dr. Lowell Matthews. I know he likes to go by Chris, but he has earned his rank and respect, and what he is doing is absolutely phenomenal. When I first heard about this, I said, yes, 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 as a retired police officer, knowing that the system has so many flaws and problems, and there are a lot of people out there that are incarcerated that could use the help, uh, et cetera, that he is doing right now and has done successfully. So without further ado, welcome Dr. Matthews. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be able to join you for this conversation. Why don't we start with this? You're a little bit of your, your background, Doc. I got a chance to read it. You've been interviewed about this before. So tell the students who you are, where you're from, and how you ended up, to our benefit here, how you ended up at Southern New Hampshire University. So it's an interesting uh, story for me. I originally came from Chicago, and that was a time where I completed my doctorate degree, started working at a university in Chicago, and lo and behold, SNHU was able to find me. I get to SNHU. I started out working in the School of Business, uh, teaching uh, human resources, organizational leadership, and really before then had no prior connection to higher education in prison. Uh, And it just happened to be that I was teaching a business class and was able to have an opportunity to take students from campus to meet with learners in Connecticut at a level four, level five facility at the McDougal Correctional Facility. And that was the start of Project AIM. It came directly from the students, directly from a class project. So student initiated, which is a great reflection upon their ever astute <laughs> instructor slash professor. So once they saw this, how this how did this actually get off the ground project AIM, which stands for as I see it, achieving independence and mobility? How so how did it actually get legs? How did it get started? Yeah. So at one of our site visits at the McDougal facility, we were walking back to the parking lot and there was a student that was usually kind of very energetic, kind of my class clown, uh, was very fun. And I could tell on this particular visit, he was very pensive and very to himself. And I pulled him aside and I'm like, what's going on? And he was like, Dr. Matthews, this is just so messed up. We have to figure out a way to get these learners the opportunity to get a degree. And I asked him, I was like, well, what do you propose we do? He was like, can you create a course and let us work on it? And so I was able to create a course 
for the upcoming semester and students that were with me currently, or I gave them first dibs at signing up for the course. And in that first, in that semester, I'm like, you have 15 weeks to come up with the plan. And by the end of the 15 weeks, they presented a proposal, they outlined project aim, and we were able to officially start and have an articulation agreement with Second Chance Educational Alliance, which is our community partner at the McDougal facility. And that's when we officially started Project AIM. That is a remarkable story. And I'm so glad that you're telling that from the lens and the initiative of students, because the audience for our agents of change are largely going to be our students. And I think this the fact that you created that avenue, that conduit for them, for that idea to actually generate, come to its fruition. So now that it's in place, what are some of the results? What are the dividends? I mean, what has AIM uh, actually, say, produced or done for some of the incarcerated? Yeah, we're seeing the impact of that now. So we officially started in 2019. Um, and so since that time, we are, we, we are at a level four, level five facility. And a lot of the learners there have very long sentences. Right. And so we have seen uh, just recently, a couple of our learners have been released. They're now at halfway houses in uh, the Connecticut area. We are hoping that they will be able to start their SNHU online journey this summer in June. Uh, so we're working to make that happen now. Nice. Some of the one of our learners was actually released and decided that he did not want to continue with a degree at SNHU but was able to use the badges that he earned through SNHU to actually open up and start uh, Juice Kings, which is a smoothie bar in Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, we were able to have him on campus. Rennell was on campus um, during our Stop the Stigma event in March, where he shared his story and his journey of how he was able to use his learning to actually open up his business, find funding for his business, and soon he will be actually opening up a a second location in Connecticut for his smoothie bar. I'm speechless. I mean, we talk about the ultimate success story from rags to riches, from, you know, incarceration to prosperity like that, that is absolutely amazing. I mean, the dividends you're paying, I've just, in my mind, I'm thinking, what do you see relative to the change in them, the change of thinking or say the, how they see themselves? You, you must see a remarkable change. It's crazy because when I first started going into the facility, we have 26 guys that we've been working with over the past few years. And when I started working with them, they were extremely motivated. Okay. They were ready to take advantage of this opportunity. And they asked me an interesting question. And they're like, hey, Doc, once we complete our degree, whose name is going to be on our diploma? And I was like, well, your name, because you're completing the degree, so it, it will be your name. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, no, no. Will Southern New Hampshire University put their name on our diploma? And I was like, yes. I was like, you are an official SNHU student. And if you complete your requirements for your major, 
Southern New Hampshire's name will be on your diploma. And these learners have experienced, uh, unfortunately, where there's been other colleges and universities coming into the McDougal facility that would not put their name on the diploma or on the transcript. And so for SNHU to come in and say, hey, we're here to support you as a learner, that really connected with our guys and made them very vested to want to complete their degree through SNHU. And so you begin to see not only a change in their behavior and attitudes, but that was also recognized by the correctional officers in the facility. And so the correctional officers asked if we, SNHU, could create an educational pathway for them to complete their degree. And so our first cohort of correctional officers started uh, this past October, October 2021. That's tremendous. So the dividends just keep rolling in. It, so, it sounds like it was a, a great validation experience for them. Not not talking necessarily about the COs. That's good too. But for the inmates, the, the incarcerated to, you know, have their name, have the university actually put a stamp of approval. They're endorsing them. And basically it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, they are giving them a second chance, a welcome back into society as a productive human being. Am I right? Exactly right. You can actually just see it in the way that they carry themselves, their motivation to complete their assignments. Even when we had to kind of use correspondence learning during COVID, where the instructors would basically drop off the assignments with the correctional officers, you know, at the front door, pick up their homework. Um, These guys were just so motivated and so committed that even with COVID, we saw that they were still engaged. They were still completing their assignments in a timely fashion because this opportunity just meant so much to them and for them. What kind of courses or disciplines were they most interested in? What did you see? So we ha- asked them that question right at the beginning. Like, oh, you did. What are your goals? What do you want to be? Like, what do you want to do? And so the majority of the learners of the 26 wanted to focus in business. And so what we did was to create 10 badges to really give them an experience of what college is like. Uh, so they completed, as they're in the process now of completing these 10 badges, Once these 10 badges are completed, it roughly represents their first year of college courses, coursework. And so the badges are specifically tailored to provide them the basic kind of business skills of opening up a business, starting the business. Uh, And so each time they complete a badge, they receive um, a digital version of the badge that they're able to print out and actually display in their sales. And that physical representation of completing that badge, completing that course means so much to them. And for me, kind of leading this initiative, what's really important is to really recognize how successful these learners are. Even if they're not able to you know, complete their degree at SNHU, each badge that they're able to complete 
represents something of value to them and also represents a skill that they've been able to obtain and they can take with them directly to the workforce upon release. That's absolutely fantastic. I can't think really of enough superlatives. The the monumental change is it's not it's not fiction and it's not nothing to sneeze at. And, uh, in other words, I mean, you're changing adult lives um, seemingly overnight. What has it done for you? How has it changed? Yeah, that's you? a really <laughs> interesting uh, question. Uh, I think I have to go back to when I first started with doing this work on one of our visits. One of my students, on campus students, as we're in the van, um, and this is a female student, and she makes the comment, completely being sincere and honest, and she's like, Dr. Matthews, I just realized you were the only Black person to come out. And I was like, excuse me? Mm -hmm. She was like, all of the learners that were incarcerated and were part of Project AIM, they're all students of color. And she was like, you were the only person of color to be able to walk out of the facility. And that really kind of uh, stopped me for a moment because as she was saying that, she was just kind of sharing what she was experiencing and what she had just witnessed. And I took that very personal. I was like, she's right. I was like, that could be me. I look just like those learners that are incarcerated. Had it not been for, you know, having, you know, solid family to really support me and encourage me to actually take a different path and to go to college and to, you know, not spend time on the streets and not being able to be involved with gangs, I may have had a different outcome. Uh, and so for me, I'm very committed to providing this educational opportunities to these incarcerated men. And I think it's primarily because I see myself in them, right? Uh, they, they, they're me. When I walk in, I see 26 guys that look just like I look. And that's very motivating for me. And it really keeps me grounded and makes me even more kind of committed to kind of make sure and to ensure that this opportunity is provided to as many learners, incarcerated learners as possible. I think it really underscores terminology or phrases such as self-reflection, <laughs> introspective thought, probably something you didn't really expect, but what a poignant moment of change in your life too as well. And you mentioned some of those factors. So now we have, you have a set of students, they're learners, and, but they're incarcerated. But learning seems to put the brakes on any of their past history or those things that set precedent, the catalyst, those events, mm, right. activities that led to incarceration. Um, what, in your, in your opinion, your expert lens and experience, what's missing for, from from their lives preceding incarceration. And now that it's being fulfilled, okay, that buck is being filled through education. What are the, some of those deficits that are leading to, you know, incarceration? Yeah. And I think if you think about it from um, kind of give you an, an analogy to kind of 
wrap us help us wrap a better understand the predicament. These learners have always been motivated and very smart. They have a a, a deep understanding of how businesses operate, but they were just placed in an environment or a set of circumstances that prohibited them or prevented them from being able to um, kind of find the right means to truly be as productive and as successful as they're capable of being. And what we've been able to do through SNHU is just to provide the right learning environment where they're able to actually utilize the skills that they've always possessed in a positive way. And so I think the reason that they were so interested in following a business degree is because on the streets, they were doing business, right? They knew how to sell products. They knew how to do accounting, their inventory. They had the basic skills. And what we've been able to do is to show them by example of how to utilize the skills that they've always possessed in a positive way. And once they're able to see that and to experience that, it actually kind of had this, this light bulb moment goes off. It's like, okay, there are other options for me. When I'm released, I don't have to go back or revert back to what I've done previously because now I have a better understanding of how to use my skill sets to be a positive contributor, a positive member of society. And we be, we see that happen not only when, when they're released, but also while they're still incarcerated, which is why the number of violent incidences in the facility begin to go down. They see themselves differently they begin to treat other people differently. Um, and so it kind of has this ripple effect where their behavior and attitude has such an impact, not only on fellow incarcerated individuals, but also on their families and friends. And so we were able to see because of the experiences of our incarcerated learners some of their family members have also expressed interest in pursuing a higher education following the example of their family member that's incarcerated. So it's a it's just a great opportunity to be able to kind of reflect and think about. The ripple effect alone is probably something you probably didn't even foresee. I mean, family, friends, et cetera. And what I, most, what I admire right off the bat is the fact that that you're able to take education, it's not, it's no stigma. It's um, you, you framed it as such a positive development for them in their lives, and that they actually can enjoy legitimacy and productivity and and acceptance into the wider into the wider culture. Those are huge, but really, you're the champion of that. You're able to articulate that, present that, model it. That takes a lot of work. So, in this case, are you doing this by yourself, or do you have a team? Yeah, I'm fortunate enough at the beginning, it was just me and the students in the business class trying to figure it all out. Uh, and I w- was able to have a grad assistant that kind of 
works with me every day on the ground. In addition, we're under Project AIM is under the Social Impact Collective, and we have the opportunity to work with the Emergent Initiatives team to help us better figure out and understand the appropriate model for Project AIM. How can this model be scalable, sustainable? And so in addition to that, I thought it was also very important to involve formerly incarcerated students to help us figure this out. And so we have six program coordinators who were all on current SNHU online students that have lived experience of being incarcerated. I meet with the team of the program coordinators every Wednesday at 11 o'clock. Um, and so having this insight come from current online students that were formerly incarcerated to tell us, what do you need? What can SNHU do to make sure that you are successful as an online student? And having that direct feedback has been so vital for us. Right to the horse's mouth. How true is that? And no one's going to, they're going to tell you the truth about what they're experiencing. And they give you yeah. so much validity and authenticity that it's irrefutable. Your efforts aren't coming from afar. You know, you, this is absolutely brilliant. So with that said, to make sure that we can, you can scale this, you can promote it, et cetera. Uh, would you be amenable or agreeable for students to reach out to you and talk to you, interact with you, ask questions, et cetera? Maybe if they, there's an opportunity for them to help, is that possible? That is definitely possible. They can email Project AIM at snhu.edu. Uh, that's the easiest and the quickest way to get in contact with us and feel, find out how to be involved. One of the projects that the program coordinators are working on over the summer is the creation of a, a student affinity group to better support our current students that have been impacted by the justice system or maybe perhaps were formerly incarcerated. So we are working to provide that support. And if anyone is interested, if any student would like to be involved or have more information, simply emailing Project AIM at SNHU is the first step. Outstanding. And I'm going to ask you one more question. Would you be agreeable to a follow-up interview, a follow-up follow podcast for Agents of Change? I think there's a lot more to talk about here. We definitely have to do a follow-up because the story changes literally every day right. as these new opportunities come about and we figure it out. So definitely a follow-up interview would be much appreciated. Well, I cannot, and on behalf of everyone that I work with on the social sciences team, everyone at 33 South Commercial Street and all the academics and all the support and faculty, can't thank you enough for this extraordinarily enlightening and exciting and interesting and intriguing and monumental activities that you've been involved in to help people that, that, that really could use the help and have used it exponentially to such great success. 
And um, I know it's a lot, a lot of work and it's easy to talk about, but I want to say thank you for the great work that you're doing. Um, it's uh, really, it takes a team of people and it takes, you know, and someone as brilliant as yourself with uh, who leads with head and heart in hand. So with that said, everyone here, thank you for listening to the first part of an interview with Dr. Lowell Matthews and his work <laughs> and his development of Project AIM. Uh, again, I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Zarnick from the Social Sciences team here at SNU Global. Thanks and stay tuned for the next episode. We'll keep you apprised and uh, thank you again for listening. And again, Dr. Matthews, thank you for taking the time out today to uh, really enlighten so many of us on the great work you're doing. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Southern New Hampshire University's Agents of Change, a social sciences podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, and be on the lookout for more exciting episodes. Goodbye for now.